Every experience we have offers the opportunity to know ourselves from the inside out. Some of our most challenging experiences can be the breeding grounds for becoming our most authentic self. Inside Out explores personal journeys of resilience, authenticity, and what it truly means to live a life with purpose. We encourage you to listen in because no matter where you are in your journey, we'll always meet you at Inside Out. Enjoy this episode with your hosts, Neha and Erica. A warning, some of what you might hear in this episode could be triggering. You're encouraged to listen at your own comfort level. Our guest today is an emergency manager and podcast host whose mission is to spread awareness and education on the LGBTQIA community from their perspectives as a non-binary trans man. Bo's attempt is to bridge the gap between the stigmatization and misrepresentation of the queer and trans community and the realities and challenges that these individuals face on a daily basis. Thank you, Bo, for being here. We're so, so excited to have you on our podcast. Um, You know, this is kind of one of those episodes or one of those topics that, you know, Eric and I have talked about a lot and we've always wanted to bring it to our podcast, but we had to find the right person to be able to share this message with us. So we're just so grateful for your time and just opening the dialogue to this. So I thought maybe we could start off by uh, talking, you know, letting our audience know really what we're here about. So What's your earliest memory of realizing that your outside did not match your insides? Sure, and thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be talking with both of you. It's funny that you asked that because I feel like the answer to that is constantly changing. It's a question that I repetitively ask myself because I've noticed as I've started kind of like in therapy and on my own working through my own I guess my own gender identity and how I, how I identify, I've been kind of questioning just a lot of memories and relearning and remembering different things from my past that I guess just kind of disappeared or were out of my realm of consciousness. And um, so I think the most explicit memory I have would be right around puberty when I first developed uh, like a chest and started looking like a female and went from just looking like a child to actually looking like a woman. And I got all kinds of unwanted attention for that. And at the time I was just like, okay, I don't like this. This is weird. Like, why are my friends suddenly more worried about what I look like than the fact that I want to go play hockey with them in the cul-de-sac or go and play climbing in the trees or whatever. It's just, it was this weird time for me where now I'm kind of realizing for me, it's like, I didn't think I changed, but me on the outside changed. And so other people we're perceiving that. And um, I started binding my chest with like ACE wraps that you Mm. from like an injury. Um, And I started doing that just to make them less, make my chest less noticeable and less visible. And it honestly took me until a few years ago, about 2019, when I started questioning my gender for me to really realize, oh, wow, that's kind of not a normal thing that most little girls would do when they're growing up which at the time is what I thought I was. So it's kind of interesting. There's, there's definitely a lot of memories I have of younger than that, where like around gender roles or around like, I know I very much wanted to play baseball over softball growing up and was so upset that I couldn't go on to play at the next level of baseball when the teams kind of went from little league to like the next level. 
the softball teams in the town I was in didn't, they stayed at that level. And I was so upset that I couldn't move on with everyone else and just those kinds of things. I mean, you're talking about as early as when puberty hits, which is pretty early on in our lifetime as we're growing up, but your journey to literally transition from female to male, which is who you identify with, that didn't start till much later in your life. So fast forward to 2019, what was that time like for you? Sure. So to set the stage a little bit, because I feel like it's kind of important. Um, in 2019, my partner Rose and I moved to Seattle from Pennsylvania. Um, so it was kind of this whole, it was, we got married in 2018 and then moved here. And so we moved across the country away from our families and um, kind of like the communities we grew up in. And we both worked and volunteered in the same community. So it's like, we kind of, the bubbles were really small and back in the Northeast, it's kind of like, um, it's all just very old established towns where people have been around for generations. And so I went to school with a bunch of people who went to, whose parents went to school with my parents and their parents went to school. And it just, it was a very small town where everyone knows everyone's business. And so moving out here, one of the main factors in that was the space to be able to be ourselves more um, because being at that time, what we thought was a same sex marriage or same sex relationship, there were kind of outside factors. I'm trying to think of exactly how to put this without coining the blame per se. Mm -hmm. I just, there's, there, I can't count how many different times we were both kind of told at various points, like, we really like being friends with you because like, you're gay, but you're not that gay or you're um, not just kind of like, you don't push the boundaries of what makes me uncomfortable. And that's why we like you. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's this bizarre thing where we just kind of realize like, we can't really be us here. And yeah. so that was one of our main drives in wanting to move away. And when we got the space and started really questioning who we were and figuring ourselves out independent of where we grew up, um, I didn't think this is where that journey was gonna lead, <laughs> but um, it has. And I guess the first thing that I really noticed um, that really kind of turned my awareness to this is what was happening um, was that I, in like November, I think of 2019, I got a haircut and I got an undercut where I just shaved the bottom half underneath of my hair. And I was laying in bed the night that I did it and just kind of like running my hand over it and like feeling it because it was very different and I've never had any haircut like that before. And um, I just had this intense reaction where I started bawling and I had no idea why or what the emotions that I was feeling were, but I just, I was so upset. And Rose and I were both kind of concerned because we were like, this is a really intense reaction to a haircut. And um, it just, it, that triggered going to back into therapy and working kind of on myself and my identity issues and figuring out what it was. And it turned out that I spent a lot of my life thinking my self-hatred was based off of my weight and based off of like the proportions of my body. And I never realized that that actually was gender dysphoria and was me not feeling represented in the body I was in. Did you know when you were running your hands at the back of your head and you had that response, now that you're looking back or maybe even in the moment, did you have some idea of what that was about or was it so, was it so inaccessible that you were, you just I, didn't know. It felt completely out of left field. I, wow. I 
for a very long time, I, I questioned my sanity, honestly, for some time, because I got to this point where I rationalized, okay, I definitely know that I think of myself as a man and that's how I want to live my life. But I also like, that's not the body I was in. And at that point I didn't, even though I kind of was introduced to the trans community when I found out that I was gay and kind of was exposed to what all of that entailed in the community, but I never reflected it back on to myself. Like it was always so far removed, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And so how has it been? Okay, there's, I have a lot of questions going through my yeah, mind. Sure. Time. Sorry, <laughs> so there are too many, uh, too many tabs open. But um, so how has it been now? Like I'm thinking of all these sort of markers that you've pointed out for us along the way where when you were going through puberty, you, um, you realized that people were treating you differently based on your body changes and it was no longer about you, which sounds to me like, I think this happens for a lot of us, not only did you not have access to those people as you anymore because they were looking at you through a different lens, which is part of the conditioning we all go through. But it also, and this is just sort of coming to me now, it also stops you from getting access to you. Because as we are all growing up, especially at that time, like self-discovery is like 99% of our experience, maybe even a hundred, right? We don't, we're so impressionable. We don't know who we are. There's your body is literally undergoing physical changes. And it seems imperative that you understand yourself throughout that process, or at least make an effort to. And um, I'm, it's just striking me that as you were sort of being cut off from your friends, that you were also being cut off from yourself and you know other markers along the way that you've identified where this might have been a gender identity construct that you're working with only now do you realize that and, and i wonder if now that you've gone to the therapy and you're undergoing the transition how you're looking back at that at that path yeah absolutely i i feel like i remember like i was saying earlier i remember different things all the time it's kind of like before I felt like the only things I really knew about myself were what I saw in pictures or in home videos. And it's just like, I didn't remember much about my childhood. And um, I also had a traumatic brain injury when I was 17. So the fact that I didn't remember a lot, I just kind of attributed to that and didn't really think much about it other than that. And it's funny now because it's just like, now that I've started to remember little things, it's like a flood of memories just coming Mm -hmm. through. And it's interesting how much of it is around gender roles. Like the funniest thing that's coming to my mind is that one of the first toys I got as a baby was like a Tonka dump truck, the little metal yellow dump trucks. And I remember growing up and anytime anyone would come into our backyard where we had a sandbox, I would be like, you see my dump truck? Isn't this cool? I have a dump truck. And I don't know why I was so obsessed with this dump truck, but it's just like funny looking back. It's like that could have simply very much just been because I was this little boy, like, oh my gosh, here's this really cool toy that I have that I love. And it's just funny looking back at that kind of stuff Mm. now. Speaking of your childhood, and we don't know much about um, like your family background or your cultural upbringing. And I know that in certain cultures, being gay, trans, it's so like looked down upon. I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's such a thing. So I wonder if that was something that you were challenged with. Did you ever feel like there was any religious conflicts or pressures with the idea of you becoming who you really, really are on the inside? 
I don't know if it's necessarily religious, but I think definitely somewhat cultural. I grew up in a religious household, um, in a Christian household. That I grew up Lutheran and I was um, baptized, went through confirmation, did all of that. And I got to a point in my life where I was moving for school and moving even here. And I would go and try and find a new church or find a community that way. And every time I went, I kind of came to the realization that the only reason I was going was because I wanted like that connection with my parents. I wanted them to approve of me. And that was a big thing that they respect and look for in others. And it was just kind of this, just another form of assimilation where I was just trying to fit in with what I thought I was supposed to be. And so I don't think negative in the aspect of I felt like excluded from myself through that, but it is definitely something I tried to assimilate to, to gain ground with my parents at one point. But so it was just kind of this battle between, I guess, trying to fit the mold that I wanted to fit to make them happy and proud of me and me being authentic to who I was. And I think it took me until the last couple of years to really figure out that balance. And I think I'm still figuring it out, but. So Bo, I wanna just take a quick second actually and point out that you have an amazing Instagram account. <laughs> oh my God. And I don't plug, we've only done this like a couple of times, but it's really because I think it's so brave that you have been so open about your journey on your Instagram account. And I mean, that's what's inspired Erica and I to really bring this to our platform is we want people to be open and honest about what it means to live authentically. And you are truly doing that. I mean, you have photographs of yourself from before to now, like that literal transition, which I think is so inspiring for other people that are in your, in your footsteps right now. I actually saw, um, I saw a meme on Instagram that went floating around. Maybe both of you saw it that it showed like um, a pie graph of all the things that we, people who think about are true about trans or think are their main concerns. And then of course there's like the comparison pie graph where it's like what trans people are really concerned about. And we had that conversation a couple of weeks ago when we were on our discovery call about, you know, all the things that you've had to think about in your transition, like um, your identity, your legal identity, uh, of course, what your peers might be thinking, what your employer might be thinking, um, what your physical transition process is going to be like. I listened on your other podcast about that, and I, I would love to ask you about that too. But, but if you could maybe address some of these, you know, what we think trans people are concerned about versus what they're actually concerned about, that would maybe be really helpful. I know, like, I think when I, I'm, I might not have the right statistic, but I think the original pie graph said something like bathrooms, like 67% were concerned about bathrooms, but that was like, that's like not an, it's not that it's not an actual concern, but it's like of the many that there are, that's, that's not comparing. I think it's terrible that we've, that society has pushed the bathroom issue that is a non-issue into this category of making it an issue because it's literally keeping people away from being able to use the bathroom. And I think the statistic about the bathrooms that you said, I think that's actually accurate. I forget where that's from, but there's a similar statistic. It's about 67 or 68% of um, students ages 13 to 21 in the United States don't feel comfortable using the bathroom in their school hmm. because different states have different rules about it. And some, they explicitly say you can only use the bathroom that you're 
of your like assigned at birth sex, regardless of what you look like now. So someone that is a trans man who has like a full beard, muscles entirely, doesn't look anything like a woman because when they were born on their birth certificate has an F instead of an M, they would have to use the women's bathroom. And it's just like, those are the types of things that they're actually signing into law. And when you boil it down to what they're afraid of, they're afraid of men coming into the women's room and assaulting children. And when you're talking about allowing trans women into a bathroom, you're talking about allowing women into the women's bathroom. And I don't know about any of you, but I've never ever once gone into a bathroom in public in my life and worried about anything other words than getting in and getting out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's just one thing that I pick up about that is that it's these rules are just another projection of our of our gender again, and not only a projection of the gender stereotypes, but also a projection of how we see each gender relating to each other. Yeah, it's the same with the trans sports bills and the trans healthcare bills. It's just like all targeting issues that don't exist and there's no factual or statistical basis behind any of it. They don't have any evidence, but it's fear-based and fear-driven. And it's a shame. There's just a big misconception, I think, in the general public between what being trans is and what it actually is. Of yeah. that, you're, you're also, you're breaking so many other human rights just yeah. at the cost of that one consideration, which is already a projection and just skewed to their own version of reality. Absolutely. The biggest thing that a lot of the trans healthcare bills for youth in the US that are happening now across all the different states, one of the biggest things they're targeting is um, gender affirming care for, for youth. And specifically, a lot of it is the use of hormone blockers, which is something that cisgender kids or kids all over the US that go through puberty early or go through puberty when it has effects with their medications or they have other disabilities or other things that they are on medic. It's just, there's so many reasons that so many children across the US are on hormone blockers as part of their regular medical treatment. And it's not a permanent fix or dangerous thing to input into a body. It's literally just temporarily pausing the change, the permanent changes that going through puberty would do to these children while they're still trying to figure out what's going on. And it's all in their medical protocols. It's all being monitored by medical professionals that are doing it based off of evidence-based research and prior experience and their medical schooling. And now there's different people that are trying to put these medical professionals behind bars if they help these kids, or they're trying to just deny the kids from this altogether. In Arkansas, um, recently, they tried to pass a bill on this for sports and healthcare, and the healthcare bill passed. The governor vetoed it, and then the sen- the state senate struck down the governor's veto and tried to put it into law anyways. After the governor explicitly said, "Like, sorry, this is a gross overreach of the government. We have no business." telling these doctors what they can and can't do with their medical license regarding like this type of care because they're doing what they should be doing. And it's just people that are want to carry this out and don't have any reason. It's just, it's, it's factless and there's no evidence-based anything for why they're coming at this. They just don't understand it. And they, I think to say, I think there's this misconception that if they do not give these kids this care, that the kids are going to, stop being trans or stop 
being who they are when really they're just forcing them to be miserable and be not what they want to be. It's they're not accomplishing the goal that they think they're setting out to accomplish. Right. Which I mean, to begin with is a really stupid goal. If you ask me anyways, cause you're prohibiting people to just live their lives the way they truly want to. But would you say then it's safe to say, I wonder if it's state to state, you're, you're obviously in the States. And to be honest, I don't even know about the laws in depth in Canada and how that works here in terms of healthcare coverage. But is it safe to say that then there's not a lot of healthcare support or aid for anyone that wants to fully transition? Like, I know that we had talked a little bit about well, I've seen on other documentaries and episodes and whatnot, like surgeries aren't co are covered, testosterone shots aren't covered. Have you faced any of that? Like there's just no help? Well, so much like the rest of healthcare in the US, it's all based off of employer-based insurance or if you can get marketplace insurance and it's a terrible broken system. Oh. <laughs> that, yeah, but uh, specifically related to this, yeah, there's... Um, there's some insurance and I've been very fortunate through my work. I have great insurance that um, covers my hormone therapy. I just pay a copay like for any other medication um, and also have, there are, uh, it's like written into my plan to have gender affirming care and stuff for my healthcare so I can go on and have top surgery like I'd like to do. Oh. Um, but it's not without loops and hoops and things to jump through. Like um, here specifically for my insurance, I have to get, a couple different letters from different medical practitioners, one from my um, therapist, and then they want one from another, like my primary care physician, essentially saying that this is something that I want to do and that I'm of sound mind and willing to do this, which I think it's so funny, just speaking specifically of this top surgery, that to go and have my chest altered to make it smaller, I have to get letters saying that I'm psychologically fit to make this decision but anyone can go and say, I want to make my chest bigger. And they're like, yeah, sure. How big? <laughs> well, even smaller though. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't have to, if you're, if trans isn't in the question, that's also, True. you're not also going to be questioned about that. Yeah. It's just wow. a misconception. It's just, I think a lot of people don't get down, don't understand the root of what being transgender is. And I think I'm ready to go into that if that's okay with you all. Okay. Oh, please, yeah. <laughs> okay, so when you're talking about sex and gender, gender would be the socialized characteristics that make you classified into, I guess, male or female is sex, so gender would be masculine, feminine. And so it's things like gender roles, uh, social concepts of like, even just like what kind of clothes you wear back into the early 1900s in the United States, it was illegal for women to wear pants. It's like things like that, where it's just like these silly things that have been twisted over time. That has nothing exactly related to this, but th these are the kinds of things that are legal troubles too, that people have to deal with. But so even down to like clothing is what I was trying to say, can determine that. And there's either gender identity and gender expression is what makes up your gender. And your gender identity is your internal concept of what your own gender is. It's kind of how you see yourself and how you feel you are. And then gender expression is the external way that you portray yourself. And so on any given day, you're, because they're socialized concepts, your gender expression, your gender identity can change. It's fluid. It's one day mm -hmm. you can be at the gym dressed in all sweats and being really like 
just pumped up, ready to go in ways that some people would categorize as masculine. And just because your gender expression is coming off as masculine in that moment doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or there's something. It's just this like fluctuating thing that I think most people think is so cut and dry. Mm -hmm. um, and so to be cisgender is if your gender and sex align and all of those things fit into one mm -hmm. category. And when you were born, whatever they said you were is who you feel you are. That's being cisgender. And so all being trans is, is that what, who you were when, or who, the sex that you were assigned when you were born doesn't align with your gender identity and your gender expression. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it's a spectrum and it can be anywhere from, if you line up a hundred different women, they're all gonna be different heights, different sizes, different shapes, different hair colors, different everything. Um, and it's the same thing. You just, I just categorizing people off of this set of arbitrary, arbitrary characteristics that were picked a long time ago, I think is just very outdated and misconstrued. Picked and then also cumulative and informed by religion and culture and a mix of both. Absolutely. Um, and deeply fueled by fear and insecurity, I would add. hundred percent. It's so funny, too, because if you look in history, there's been like genderqueer or trans type genders throughout all different cultures, mm. leading all the way back to the end of, end of time or beginning of time, I guess I should say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's there. There's I don't exactly remember all the names, but there's Hawaiian cultures. There's two spirit indigenous cultures. There's mm. Middle Eastern cultures. There's all different types of it's just fascinating. So you talked a little bit about the healthcare side of it. And I know that in our discovery call, something that really stuck out to me, and I had to think about this for days after, was, and I, I know society has such a long way to go to fully be able to support certain communities. And with respect to this episode, the LGBTQ community, lots to do. I think they've come a long way, but there's still so much that they need to do. Um, one thing that stuck out to me was you had mentioned that your marriage is considered a same-sex marriage uh, in certain states and that could just that fact alone could determine if you and your spouse wanted to pick up and leave and move somewhere you can't you have to think about what the state rule there is what the law is and then how you two would be identified as a couple in that particular area like, I can't, I just, that thought I have to wrap my head around because for me, I don't have to think about that stuff. I can walk up and go anywhere. So why such a barrier for anyone else that's also just trying to live their life? Why all the barriers? So I know you don't have the answer to why, but maybe you can <laughs> tell us a little bit about those roadblocks that, you know, maybe people don't think about as often that, you know, the LGBT community is daily faced with. Absolutely. Yeah, we started dating in 2015 before in the US it was federally legal to get married um, for same-sex couples. And the thing is now, even though I know I'm not female, I haven't yet changed my identification just because of COVID and all the different things. But you, in some, in some states, it's so in the US, how you change your gender or your name, it literally is up to each individual state. So some places you have to literally go to court and petition to have your name changed. Some places you have to have signatures from people saying that you can get your gender marker changed. It's the same thing with 
uh, surgeries and other kinds of healthcare where they want you to get letters from doctors and professionals and therapists, psychiatrists, that kind of thing. There's, it's just in that essence, it's ridiculous, <laughs> completely ridiculous. And it's the same thing where a lot of people are having trouble getting healthcare or getting jobs or getting anything because the way they look, the way they are on the outside doesn't match their legal paperwork. Just like mine doesn't right now, my driver's license, if you saw it, it doesn't look like me at all. So it, it's every time I go out driving or go to even go to a restaurant and want to order a drink, I get nervous that there's going to be a confrontation or that maybe they'll tell me it doesn't look like me. My biggest fear related to that is uh, we're going to San Francisco for our three-year wedding anniversary in a couple weeks. And I'm honestly a little nervous to fly and go through security. I'm very hopeful that wearing my glasses and my mask, it'll be like, Okay, yeah, looks like you, but right. Yeah. I also feel bad even complaining because as a white person, I feel like I have gotten such a head start when it comes to this compared to some other people. It's and not even just that, but just I grew up in like a middle class background in the suburbs. It's like I, I was given so many opportunities even just to go to school or have uh jobs and things before I even knew I was trans and could kind of establish connections before that where so many different trans and queer youth get thrown out by their parents before they're even 18. They don't have any documentation. And even if they can get any documentation, it'll be with their dead name and it'll have the wrong gender. They have to petition to get it. And sometimes this, these youth will even get placed back with their parents if they go and try to be separated or get their emancipation or independence. And it's like, well, you're not an adult, so you have to go. It's just, there's so many little things that you would never think of. And it's, it's terrible. Like you can't even get a job if you, they don't believe you're who you say you are because you don't have the identification to get the job and the identification doesn't match you. So it's just, it's all these tricky things. And I can't even begin to fathom the violence, like trans women, black trans women specifically, face so much violence. It's this year in 2021, there's already been, I think it's 15 transgender people murdered in the U.S. alone. Oh my gosh. And in 2020, I know uh, globally, it was about 350 transgender people murdered last year. Oh my gosh. That we have records of. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. Um, it's more of an abstract one. So we talked a lot about the projection of gender identity, gender expression, how when you're born, you're you. And it's not until we start to bump up into this conditioning of what our gender is supposed to mean about us that we start to lose that connection to ourselves. But then we also start to lose the ability to express that, that um, self that we know underneath all of the conditioning. And then and, and here we find ourselves having to have this dialogue on what is us versus what is the, what is the prototype of male, female in society. And I wonder if you were to, if you were to be able to wave a magic wand and completely tra transition um, the way that we treat gender in society so that we could all live more, har more harmoniously, how would, you, how would you want things to be? In a picture-perfect world, I honestly think that gender doesn't necessarily need to exist. I mean, I think that we all should have the ability to categorize or identify or explain ourselves however we feel best suits us. 
but I don't think that it should be any one entity or government or organization's job to categorize us based off of that. Cause I don't think, I think we've all gotten to the point where we can admit that like men don't run and rule the world, like women and everyone else are just as capable. So I think that it would be great if that just didn't exist. Gender at all. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I'm kind of going there myself. Yeah. Um, and I, it's not science-based, of course, but um, I have, Neha has heard lots about it. I have a very, I, I would think of it as a strong spiritual practice outside of my other, my other roles in my life. And as I delve deeper into that, I start to come, start to, come to the same conclusion um, that it's a body and it's beautiful and it's a vessel for um, expression, yes, but not to be infringed on, right? Um, and even in the spiritual side, we, at least my practice is to believe that your, your spirit is not um, in your body, your body is in your spirit. And I love that metaphor, but also, you know, some practice, some practitioners believe it to be true, but I, I love it for many reasons. And one is because you can't categorize a person in any way. Right. You can't put them into any box. It's never going to work. You're always going to exclude someone. Mm -hmm. And, and our, um, our ident our self, our, our true self, not our egoic self, but our true self is always evolving. That's why we're here, I believe. And so how, of course, we end up having these conversations, right? And of course, you know, the trailblazers have to be the ones to say, hey, like, this doesn't make sense. Um, but it's just so saddening to hear some of the statistics you've shared and also your own experience in a lot of ways because you end up paying the price for it. Yeah, I think, I think there's two really good points you just made. One about infringement. I feel like that's like the perfect word to describe what is happening to trans people right now, kind of globally, is that the infringement on what other people, people are trying to tell trans people who they are, and trans people are like, that's not true. This is who we are. And so it's that like infringement of other people's opinions and examples in their head of what they think these things are. And even like what they think that their medical rights should be, it's this infringement there. And it's just, it's, ridiculous and the the other point that you made just about the evolving i think it's so funny because i think not funny that's not the right word but i think right now the two biggest divides in society from my perspective are there's the people that acknowledge that we're evolving and want to evolve and grow and then there's people that are like everything's great the way it is mm -hmm. why don't we just leave it the way it is it should be the way it is and it's like the way it is isn't working and it, that's not how things work things aren't constant they're not static. They don't just exist like that forever. And I think it's, I think that's a fascinating point that you brought that up. Cause I think that's exactly what's going on. You were going to say, well, you said something and I, I just had a thought and I, I almost worry about what the answer is. Cause I hope it's not what I think it is, but did you ever in the earlier times of you realizing, okay, something, you know, just doesn't match. I'm not who I am physically. I want to be who I am internally. But when you started to see what the world is like and how they are accepting of that, that change, and sometimes it's very harsh, and I'm sure you've met plenty of people that are very accepting of it, but I'm sure there's obviously a lot of people that are not. Did you at any point stop and think, okay, no, maybe I just don't do this and I just figure this out and I stay the way I am? 
And like I said, I hope I, I hope it's the answer I think it is because it would make, it would break my heart. But I wonder if you've ever gone through the struggle of being like, no, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm not going to go through with it. I'm just going to live the life I was originally born with. At first, that absolutely happened a lot. Um, it, I think it was also just because that not having that sense of self and not feeling like secure in my own identity really just led me to question, like, I just, I didn't feel valid in my feelings. I needed the validation that the way I was feeling was okay. And once I got that, and once I realized that because I'm admitting this thing about myself doesn't make me less than, or doesn't make me a completely different person. It, it's just me acknowledging something about myself. And that has really helped to reframe that. But I think definitely not in the beginning, not having all of the support I was not anticipating, but maybe hoping for in certain respects, I definitely was struggling with that. Mm. Yeah. What changed your mind? I have a really great set of friends and family here. Um, just kind of chosen family, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And receiving the instant validation and support from them. And even at work, I have the best supervisor ever. And she's actually become a good friend of mine. And when I first messaged her and I was like, okay, this is something I want to talk to you about. And I want to tell everyone about it because going forward, I don't want to be referred to as she, her anymore. And I don't want to be referred to as my dead name anymore. I want to be referred to as Bo. And I was like, and I'm sorry for any backlash this has with any, because we work with a lot of external partners. And so I just, I was worried about how it would affect things. And instantly she was just like, if they have any problem, they can come to me. Like, it'll be fine. This is great. I support you. And it was just like that instant support from someone, I don't want to say of authority, but kind of that made me feel so valid was very, very helpful. Yeah. Well, Rose has been fantastic. I honestly, I honestly think that she knew I was trans before I did. She yes. at least made peace with it before I did and has been a great support the whole time. That's mm. well, it's so, such a beautiful thing. It doesn't happen often, I think. Well, depending on what kind of people you spend time with, I guess, but it's such a beautiful thing when you're seen. Yes. You know, when you're seen for you, it's just, I almost get emotional thinking about it. And actually in all the episodes we've ever recorded, that has come up. There's like, our, our guest describes the moment when they were seen, a moment when they were seen. And I think that, I think we need more of that. Yeah. Um, and to be seen, you know, back to your point earlier, Bo, it doesn't, it doesn't, to be seen doesn't require a title or a gender. It actually requires you not to have one. Um, Eckhart Tolle likes to say that if you, if you look at a rose and you know its name, you already don't understand it. Because you, as with language, we learn to attach connotations and meanings and our own projections, you know, gathered through those of others about whatever the item is. So, you know, I think I know what a rose is. So I look at a rose and I see it. Oh, that's a rose. And I already don't understand it because I'm not seeing it. I'm just knowing what it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so cool. What's the most important, this is a two-part question. One is, what's the most important thing to you about transitioning? And then the second part is, what's the most important part of life? Maybe they're the same. About transitioning, honestly, I think that 
is that it is what that individual needs it to be. Because I think, mm. I think there's a misconception as well about what transitioning entails. And I think that a lot of people hear that and they automatically assume it's fully changing from one sex to the other. And I, that's definitely true in a lot of cases, but I think that discounts the experience of all the people that fall in the spectrum between A and B and kind of are non-binary or I think it's, so for a lot of people, transitioning could be as simple as they don't like dressing like whatever sex they were assigned at birth. So they change how they dress and they don't really change much else about themselves. And that makes them feel confident and comfortable. And that's their transition. And then there's people that will have maybe top surgery or they will change, have one type of surgery and that's enough for them. And that's what makes them feel the most them and the most seen. And so I think it's just important to acknowledge that it is an individual choice and journey and it has all different, it looks different for everyone. And what about light? I honestly think it's just about, at least in my opinion, leaving things better than you find them and kind of if you you know you're going to have an impact in some way especially today where everything is all over the internet someone somewhere is going to see something that you're doing and if the impact is negative or is going to make things worse for other people i really think that that's an issue so i think that um the most important thing you can really do for yourself or anyone else is to just even if it's one thing just leaving it better or healthier than you found it Beautiful. That's awesome. Um, I wonder if you can give a little bit of advice to anyone that might be listening that's also contemplating if they are willing to go down the full path of authentically being who they are. Like, what advice could you give to someone that might be thinking about transitioning? The first thing I would say is do it and never look back. <laughs> like, honestly, like, there's, I don't think there's anything you can really lose by being yourself that isn't worth losing. Mm -hmm. I think it's a hard lesson to learn and I think everyone will learn it in their own way at their own pace. I've been learning that lesson over the past year specifically, I think, in realizing kind of who I've held in what hierarchy in my life, kind of like who I let really close. I've always had a few very, very close friends and I've just been kind of closed off emotionally to other people most of my life until recently, now that I'm just more aware of myself and realize how helpful it is to share your story and for people to see people like them or different than them. <laughs> so I guess I just, I've been realizing who, the people that really are there for me are standing up and they're there for me and they're cheering me on and they're checking in on me and they've been there every step of the way. And it's also, the silence is very telling as well. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. just kind of learning, learning, that it's okay that I don't have to keep trying and trying and trying when there's no effort being made on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that message of just, just do it and don't look back. Like, I think that that goes for anyone. It's not just for yes. anyone who's yeah. thinking about transitioning. It's for anyone that's just not feeling like they're truly who they are in whatever capacity that means to them. I think that's beautiful advice. Just, just do it. <laughs> just be you. So a question that we like to ask all of our guests, what does it mean to live from the inside out? I love this question. And <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about this, anticipating you asking it. And <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think that for me, 
to live from the inside out is to live authentically, to be yourself despite how the world or society attempts to categorize you. And I think that society has this overall general, maybe I'm speaking for like American society, but has this idea that conformity is like notable and a good thing to do and that being different or unique is bad. So I think ultimately to not live in fear of what makes you yourself and embracing those qualities of your uniqueness is the answer. Beautiful. Perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. Now I was going to get emotional there. <laughs> it was so nice. Cause again, like I just, I just think that goes for everyone. Just any, any human being out there that's, trying to find that purpose I think it's so beautiful and I'm so glad for you that you were able to really stick to who you were and and fully find yourself and I hope that you're a lot happier now um and I'm just so grateful that we were able to connect and that you're now part of our community of you know of being part of Inside Out so thank you so much for sharing all of that yeah thank you for having me this is so much fun and I really hope we can continue our relationship in the future because I oh we will oh we will (laughs) oh we will (laughs) we will yeah yeah we will for sure yeah thank you so much Bo it's um it's been enlightening for me too I've you know I think I mentioned in our discovery call that not being a part of a community as diverse or even as close to being diverse we just we get sort of shelled into our own reality right and it you sort of corrodes into a fear of not wanting to ask questions that would offend anyone. And then you eventually get to a place where there's a lot you don't know and you're, you don't know where to start. So I think um, for anyone who even remotely resonates with that, hearing your story and some of um, the answers that you've given us today for our questions, I think it'll just help to feel more comfortable in even just having more of these conversations. But if not, this one alone today is so informative. So thank you. And I appreciate you having the conversation because that's what we need more of. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out our website for more information on the podcast or what you heard today, www.insideoutthepodcast.com. And if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram. Is that it, Erica? Yeah, I think we're done. Okay, we're done.